Blog Talk Radio. Radio Talk Show. I'm your host, pop art painter Jamie Rocks, and this is the big show. You found it. I sure I'm glad you did. I am super excited for today's guest. Um, we're, we're talking, uh, he's a filmmaker and uh, has a new documentary out, which I found incredibly compelling, and um, uh, the subject of which I didn't know too much about, just kind of, a little bit, but not, I didn't really have a lot of details on this. And so I went into it kind of blind, as they say, as all the content creators say. Um, and so I listened to the whole thing. No, I'm, I'm kidding. Uh, no, but I didn't know that much about the, the subject. And I found myself just uh, very immersed and, um, and into it, man. I, uh, it, it was fantastic. It, it's a great documentary. It's called Rondo and Bob. And we're going to get into it. But I'd like to welcome uh, the writer, director, um, you know, filmmaker uh, extraordinaire, Mr. Joe O'Connell. Joe, how are you, sir? I'm doing great. Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. First off, like I was telling you before we came on the air, I really enjoyed this this film, this documentary. I I found it um, just such an amazingly interesting story. Um, from both of the, the subjects uh, of it. And, you know, it, it, it was uh, so, almost artistic, I want to say, um, in that they lived in two different eras that were connected, and you really illustrates the, illustrated this, you know, um, in, a, in a very cool way. Well, thanks. Thanks. Yeah, it was, it yeah. was a challenge because these guys are not around. So, you know, we right. have to make some decisions about how to how to get the story across. Oh, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I did not know that they both um, were not around. I knew that one of them wasn't around until that last right. act of the document. I, I got to tell you, I, I, I got a little choked up a little bit, you know, um, the way yeah. it was presented and whatnot. Uh, just fantastic. Fantastic. I um uh, what a great documentary. Now, you're from Austin, Texas? I'm from Austin, yeah. And that and that's that's okay. where this story came about for me. Uh I, I was uh Yeah, I was a film columnist for the Austin American Statesman. Uh and and I my first film is about Gary Kent. It's called Danger God. He, Gary Kent was a B movie mm-hmm. stuntman and star. Uh and Gary was friends with with Bob Burns. And uh, you know, million years ago, uh, I went. Bob Burns was a serial blood donor, which was kind of appropriate because uh, he was a horror movie art director. <laughs> uh, and he had this big event at the Austin Blood Center, and I showed up, you know, interviewed him, met him for the first time, and at the end of the event, he gave me a script that he'd written called Rondo in May, and it was about Rondo Hatton, and uh, basically was a love story. 
you know, biographical film about Rondo. And so when I was done with my first film, my uh, my editor, unbeknownst to me, had all this footage of Bob Burns, and he you know mm. he showed me all this stuff, and then he showed me footage of that day at the blood bank. And I didn't know him mm. back then, and he had shot all this footage, including the scene of Bob in front of the fake headstone, because uh, that that was there at the blood bank. And so mm. it, was, it was kind of meant to be. And I and I, I thought Bob deserved Bob Burns was the art director on Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and really created the look of the horror of the uh, '80s, '70s, '80s. Uh, with that, he did The Hills Have Eyes, The Howling, Reanimator. Oh, yeah. You know, all kinds of stuff. And and, and maybe he deserves a, a documentary of his own. But I was really intrigued by his obsession with Rondo Hatton. Uh, right. You know, Rondo was, Rondo was a star from the 40s who, uh, it was all about his appearance. He, he had a right. condition called acromegaly. And it caused his face and his hands and feet to grow and to become, you know, kind of distorted and disfigured. And his look is kind of iconic now. But I realized that Bob was this, yeah, Bob was this very normal-looking guy who was weird, something I mean as a compliment. But Rondo was a very normal guy who was weird-looking. And so I kind of saw that contrast. And Bob was so obsessed with him that uh, I saw that as 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 a project that I was interested in doing. It, it it was so good. It was so good. First off, um, uh, Bob, I think was was you know horror movies. You had the horror, the Hammer horror movie. And now I'm not a horror movie guy. I'm not. Ladies and gentlemen, do not mistake me as I have friends that are horror movie guys and gals, and and they are into it, baby. They are into it. I like a good horror movie. Yeah. Um, but you know, I'm not going to say, oh, that guy liver exploded wrong or something. You know, I, 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 I right. don't know the details like they do. Um, but, you know, I, I've always been driven uh, by story and escapism and whatnot in film. Um, and, and I definitely think horror, you know, and it's funny because a lot of people say, oh, well, they, you know, horror kind of started in the South. I'm like, nah, you know, if you go back to the late 1800s in Paris, there was horror yeah. theater. You know, there was definitely, there's a reason Poe made some money, you know. Uh, people are into that sure. kind of stuff. And, you know, the thing is, is I think with Texas Chainsaw Massacre and these films that he worked on, the, the, the vibe of them, the look, the feel, really reminds me of the changeover in Western, uh, in the, the, the Western movies, you know, where you had oh, the cowboys. Well, yeah, they, they had, you know, a, a, you'd see the cowboy out sleeping under the stars. And these are the movies my father loved. Um, yeah. from when he was a kid and, and, you know, they have iron shirts and everybody shaved. And then you had the, the, the spaghetti Westerns kind of put this, uh, dirty these guys up a little bit, like they would be, you know, yeah, you sure. them through, the, through the screen. And I think, you know, horror movies, it was always some castle up on a hill before it wasn't the creepy old house down at the end of that little dirt road, you know, that, Nobody's been down there for 10 years, and we don't know what's going on down there, you know? Just uh, yeah. people kind of disappear when they go You know, it, it dirtied it up. It grittied it up, I think. And 
I think it added an element of uh, realism to it, uh, to the outrageous. Not to get, yeah, I'm think... not trying to butt my pinky out or anything. I'm just saying I, I, I thought they were they were scarier. Then I found the horror film, or the Hammer films and the ones yeah. the creature features and, and whatnot. Um, you know, yeah, Dracula and, and Frankenstein, great stories, not scary yeah. movies in my opinion. You know, but I wasn't of that era. Yeah, I didn't mean to cut you off. Well, Go ahead, sir. Yeah, and I think Bob was real instrumental in that change. He had a belief mm. that you should uh, that, that the art direction of a film should scare you. You shouldn't be aware of it though; it should be invisible. Right. And I think that's a lot of the deal with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. You know, uh, and he he Bob didn't like Chainsaw Massacre too, which you know Toby Hooper was doing something more comedic. But what he didn't like is that you could see the art direction that you would look at it and say, oh, that's cool. I wonder how they did that. And he instead wanted you to sink into the moment. To be disturbed. You know? To be disturbed. Man, that tough conversation. I saw that as a kid, and I saw it after. I remember, like, I'm a child of the 80s, and, you know, I got scared at Friday the 13th, of course, because, you know, I'd been to camp. <laughs> I had yeah. those feelings. So I want to go home, you know, this sucks. Um and and so I've been scared with that. And then I saw my my older uh, stepsister said, "Oh, you got to check this out if you're if you like Friday the 13th. Here's Texas Chainsaw. And, you know, we rented it from the, the local uh, rental place. And man, I lost it when that guy started wiping the, the hitchhikers started wiping the blood on the side of the. I'm like, oh my god, you know, as, as a <laughs> as a kid, as a little kid, I was like, no, no, this isn't good. Um, Nothing good is going to come of this, and, uh, right. and it didn't. <laughs> yeah, but it was it was fantastic. It was fantastic. Yeah, it's, and at the same time, really same time, it's not a very bloody movie. Uh, no. and, and we go into that a little bit in the film in, in Rondo and Bob about how uh, Bob and Toby Hooper went back and forth, and, and particularly with the meat hook scene. Toby wanted it to be bloody with blood spurting out. And, and Bob's comment was, if you do that, they're going to be asking how you did it. They're going to be, mm-hmm. they're going to be fixated on the effect. And instead they use Absolutely. no blood and the scene is much creepier because of that. Oh yeah, completely, completely. It, um, you know, and it's, it's funny, you know, that's just such a classic movie. All those movies really were the ones you mentioned, The Hills Have Eyes, all that stuff yeah. that he worked on. Just amazing. From And again, I am not a horror person, but I can appreciate, but I'm a painter. I, I, I paint for a living. I paint pictures of people and stuff. I've been doing that for 20 yeah. years. And I understand how important it is to create a, a mood in a painting by, by, okay, I want to use muted colors here, or I want to use real bright contrasty color here, you know, depending on what you're doing. You yeah. know? And, um, and I get it. And I, I was watching this documentary, and I came away from it with a new appreciation of those films because I'm like, I never realized that's why they were so creepy. They had already sold it, you know, with the set design, you know. I mean, just the set design. It was fantastic. Um so my, tip of my hat for that. These yeah. did had, uh, you're right, Gary Kent's amazing. We had him on the show oh, a few years ago, I think when your movie came out. Um, and just uh, 
it was and it was right after the uh, Tarantino um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, you know, had, right. had dropped in the mainstream, and it was it was an honor speaking with him, you know. And then I you saw him in the documentary, and it was just great. Now the juxtaposition of the footage of Ron and his story just so and you guys the way you did it with with the baseball I don't want to give anything away I don't want to spoil anything but man because you, you had I will say this you had some dramatizations is that how you say that um, yeah reenactments yeah. Um, yeah. and that scene yeah, we where chose the, to... him and the guys were playing baseball talking about their future oh my yeah. god because you know where that's going to end. Right. Yeah. I saw a movie uh, a a few years back. I saw a movie called Becoming Bond about George Lazenby, uh, a one-time Bond guy who kind of talked himself Mm -hmm. into the job. And that film had Lazenby sitting in front of a camera with a nice backdrop, well lit, and he talked. But they juxtaposed that with uh, recreations of his youth using an actor Mm. who didn't particularly look like him. And uh, I thought, well, that's kind of where I need to go with this because both Bob and Rhonda are no longer around. Um, right. So, so we, you know, we went that direction. Uh, you know, uh, it's a low-budget film. We hired we hired local actors in Austin. Uh, we were lucky to get a guy who uh, worked with Bob Burns, who was a creative genius, a guy named Paul Smith, and Paul created the mass. Uh, that, that are created just for the actor, just to fit his face, mm. you know, going through a whole long process with that, as well as creating the uh, the aging of Mrs. Hatton. And he was mm. on the set mm-hmm. all the time. Uh, Paul was, was always there nitpicking. He was kind of like Bob in that way, he, that he was nitpicking and wanting it to be perfect, you know, as perfect as possible. So we, we got Got it. Yeah. <laughs> it worked. You yeah. It was amazing. I'm yeah. telling you, when he met May and you guys did the, the reenactment, you know, scenes and right. whatnot, that, that scene, uh, I paused the film, me and my wife were watching. I got up and I went across the room and gave her a kiss. I, I'm like, that's the secret. That's what we're looking for. <laughs> you yeah. Know? And that's we probably one of the most important scenes. And now, folks, a couple quick messages from some of our show sponsors. Stay tuned. We'll be back with the rest of the interview after these quick messages. Listen to this cool episode ad-free. If you're a VIP member, you can become one on my website, www.jamierocks.us, www. Dot J-A-M-I-E-R-O-X-X dot U-S. Hey, rockers. This is Stacey Lane Wilson, author and editor of the Rock and Roll Nightmares book series. I have a new podcast that features interviews with musicians, artists, authors, filmmakers, and music historians. In season one, I interview Phil Toussaint from Ozzy Osbourne's band, Scott Crawford, the director of the Cream Magazine documentary, Lisa S. Johnson, the award-winning author and photographer of the books 108 Rockstar Guitars and Immortal Axes, just to name a few. The Rock and Roll Nightmares podcast explores the dark and mysterious and sometimes funny 
side of music from the 60s, 70s, 80s, and beyond. Enjoy on RSS or anywhere you like to listen to podcasts. Glittering amethyst, energizing citrine, colorful fluorite, the other side of the sun, Earth's treasures brought to light. Since 1999, we have offered a unique collection of hand-selected minerals and gems for every budget, for novices, collectors, and healers. Visit www.tosots.com to view our wide selection of offerings and use coupon code ROXX, that's R-O-X-X, for 10% off your first order. Remember... T-O-S-O-T-S dot com. Earth's treasures brought to light. Hi folks, Jamie Rocks here. Hey, if you're a big fan of uh, historical, cool historical books uh, like me, then you're going to want to check out our newest uh, show sponsor, Michelle Albion. Uh, fantastic author. She's got some really interesting, cool books out uh, that you're going to want to check out. I'm a big fan of all of these. Uh, the Florida Life of Thomas Edison, the quotable Edison, quotable Henry Ford, uh, quotable Eleanor Roosevelt, and of course the quotable Amelia Earhart. Uh, Michelle's just very keen and, and very very cool, um, and these are just very cool books. So check out her website. Uh, there's links to uh, where you can pick these up on Amazon and Barnes and Noble all over the place. Uh, MichelleAlbion.com. M I C H E L E A. L-B-I-O-N.com. MichelleAbion.com. Very, very cool stuff. Check it out, folks. Yeah, you know, every, I don't know if it is, how it is for women, but I know for men, you know, we all think we're, we're a little off. We're a little different. Right. And when you find someone who doesn't care, who looks, sees beyond that, lays yeah. her head on your shoulder. Oh, man. Nope. Yeah, that moment, that moment really worked. Uh, and it, and, it, and I pass off to our actress, Kelsey Probilski, who uh, I told her, this scene is all about you. We have to believe you will mm. like Rondo, that you'll be attracted to him. Uh, and she pulled it off, I think, really well. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It, it you know, it, 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 man, it just reminded me so much of, uh, like I said, I'm a painter. We do these, um, we do quite a few of these, these these art shows of my work, and I um, I'm great doing these podcasts. I I am fantastic. I, you know I can do these. I, this is number twelve hundred and fifty something. You know I mean I'm, I'm wow. kind of down. You know yeah. Um, but when I have to do these art shows for these meet and greets, they call them. You know where you actually have to show up to the place, and everybody wants to talk to you about you know well, what were you feeling. I hate that stuff. I hate it. I'm incredibly shy. Um, as a matter of fact, yeah. a lot of people don't know this. I always wear sunglasses, and I have a pair of sunglasses where I've painted, because I hate speaking in front of people where I can see them, you know? And mm-hmm. I painted the inside of these sunglasses black with black paint, and I put those on, and that's when I speak to them, <laughs> do these speaking things <laughs> with these things. And yeah. I kind of hide back there, you know? And, and I, I definitely feel the Rondo vibe in my own limited little way. And, and my wife works the room. She's great at that. She, you know, she just, okay, let's, let's make the circuit. Let's go talk to these. Cause otherwise I would, I would stay outside and, and vape and, and 
high. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, to the concentration of the people where we have the arch because they're they're like, what? Where is he? Why is he socialized? <laughs> you know, and she makes sure I do. But you know, she's got my back, just like she had his back in this. And and I saw that, and I'm like, oh man, I got it. I got it. Yes. Um, very powerful. Very powerful. This was um. Now again, you meant no. Before we go any further. It is dropped. This film is out, right? Because I, I saw it on YouTube, yeah. available to buy or rent. Um, yeah, so it's, it's kind of spreading folks. wide. Yeah, nice, I, I nice. see new so new links. outlets all the time. Oh, yeah. that's fantastic! We have links uh, to the Rondo and Bob website, uh, Rondo www.rondoandbob.com. We also have links to the Twitter and Facebook accounts and whatnot. Um, and when we convert this show to a podcast. Uh, it goes out everywhere. If you're listening to this in the future on like Spotify or Pandora, those links stay active, folks. So as you're listening to this, click on that link and get over there and, and like and share this because it's it's such a good film and I, I want everybody to see it. It's one of my fa- I, I know I say that I've said this before this year, but it's one of my favorites of the year just because I hadn't watched this yet and I have now. So this is the one that's on the top of my list. Um, well, cool. Uh, yeah, just fantastic film, and it's not too short. This is this is what hour forty minutes, something like that. Um, yes, it's, it's great. Yeah, they, they and it gets into it, and you just get involved. And even if horror is, you know, you're like, oh, I'm not really into horror films. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. You're. This is a human story, and not just on the Rondo side. Yeah, Bob is fascinating in this. He, he is. We, Bob, is Bob, Bob was a creative genius. Yeah, oh, absolutely. he was a creative genius, but not a happy guy. So, right. You know, as, I think what what made him happy was to make stuff. Yeah. Right. Right. That was his. That was his gal, and you could tell because he put the time in, and um, but very, you know, funny in a way. Funny, but but there's tragedy underneath, you know. <laughs> tragic yeah. stuff. Oh man, the the whole I didn't know he was involved with the uh, the whole shooting uh, there uh, at the university, you know, or you know, not involved, but at ground there, zero, yeah. You know? Yeah, um, it was an interesting thing which, to discover. I didn't know that until uh, I talked with his with Bob's brother that that Bob was there mm-hmm. the day of the UT Tower shooting in 1966. Which uh, you know, guy Charles Whitman climbed the UT clock tower and was up there shooting people with with uh, you know scoped rifles. Uh, and Toby Hooper was there the same day, so it, you know it's an interesting thing that the two guys who really are responsible for Chainsaw, in my opinion, uh, were were both there for that tragedy. Uh, so and they're we, freaking we out. They weren't like taking notes. You know, as, yeah. as a human being would be in that situation. Oh my gosh! Yeah, <laughs> and so yeah. apropos to these days where these things happen so much, you know, you, you it's easy to get desensitized to that, and 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 think to yourself, you know, when you hear about these these shootings and stuff, and you, you're like, oh, it's terrible, and, and you know, on to the next thing. Um, and then with this, the way you guys film that and whatnot with the lady with the white shorts and everything. Um, yeah. 
you automatically put yourself in that position. Something I haven't done when I heard about, you know, when I hear about these other shootings. I don't say, oh, you know, yeah, country music fans, you know, in Vegas. I don't think, what would I do in this situation? You know, how would I be reacting? In your documentary, I thought that for the first time. You know, it's very important, very, very cool. Um, Shows the power of what it is. You had mentioned that this is a limited budget. And in, in yeah. some of the stuff you can kind of tell, you know, I, this isn't. There were no superheroes in it. I will put that spoiler out there. Um, you know, this didn't have a Disney budget or anything behind it. Didn't need it. Right. Didn't need it. Yeah. And you know, we're talking about some some off mainstream, a lot of off mainstream films anyway. So you know. Yeah. It didn't need that big, in my opinion. Um, but it wasn't hard to watch or anything like that, you know. I, I know, I don't know. I haven't read anybody else's reviews or any of that kind of stuff. But I can only imagine. I know some horror people. And I can imagine <laughs> them, you know. Well, yeah, we've um, got we've got great reviews. We we've got some people who don't who don't like the reenactments. I mean, don't don't want me to have that. Uh, which was wow, similar to to the Becoming Bond film that they had the same reaction. So I, right. I, you know, I made the film that I intended to make, you know, to the best of my great. ability. So, well, thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I thought it turned absolutely. out great. This is just a uh, cool uh, movie that I would put on for friends and say, here's a good, just a really compelling story. And, and, and it's done well. And it's done well. It is. It is. Um, it, you know, and it, it's it's crazy that um, I didn't. I, I came away from this going, how did I not know that much about Rondo? <laughs> I should know. Right. This, you know, are you are you kidding me? And I think, but it's probably time for a big budget too. film of him. You know, a big budget Rondo film right. needs to come up. Uh, you know, I'm surprised it hasn't. And, I hope, and if we if we have propelled that forward by having this film out, all the better. You know, uh, absolutely. I'd like to see it. You know. So speaking of of James Bond, did the guy I can't remember his name offhand. Um, the guy who played Jaws, did he have the similar condition to Rondo, or he that did. was something different? Yeah. Oh, yeah, he did. That's okay. acromegaly. Yeah. And it, it's a deal of, depending on the time period in your life that you get this, it's pituitary gland tumor. If mm. you have this condition earlier in life, then your entire body becomes large. Andre the Giant, the wrestler, is an example. Mm. And also the guy who played Jaws. Uh, but uh, Rondo was a, was a little guy. I mean, I, I shouldn't say that. Right. He was about 5'11", thin. And so when he was in movies, they had to pad him up. They had to put newspaper in the suit he was wearing to try to make him look bulky. But right. he, you know, he a was, little more. He was pretty thin. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. So, and, and he's crazy. a guy, he was, he was uh, supposed to be, he was a journalist who was discovered while he was covering a movie set in Tampa, Florida, uh, called, uh, oh, Hell, Hell Harbor. They were shooting a movie mm-hmm. there and he was assigned to go cover it. And the director, Henry King said, you know, first off, put him in the film, gave him a small <laughs> role in the film, and he said, I can make you a star, come to Hollywood. Uh, so he did, but he he always thought of himself as a writer, as a journalist, more than anything else. Right. Uh, right. But, well, uh, you know. 
Yeah, he Make was in money. the background of a ton, ton of things, but uh, he was primed to be. They, they wanted him to be the new Boris Karloff, and he was oh. primed for that to be the case. He had two films that came out, and then he died. That were about to come out, and he died before their release. Oh. Um, so, yeah, the last one, The Brute Man, which was really kind of uh, autobiographical. You know, it was telling telling his story, a guy who who gets monstrous looking after being a normal guy who's a football mm. player. And that was Rondo. Rondo was, was a great athlete and he wanted to be a coach more than anything else. But uh, his condition changed all that and, and redirected his life. He had this notion, Rondo's, Rondo's big deal was he could cower and hide from people with his condition or he could go out and just confront the world and be part of it. Right. And he chose the latter. Uh, and he and people really liked him. That's what that's what I come away with from Rondo Hatton is that people really liked Rondo Hatton. He was a great guy. Uh, he had been, you know, he, he had been a soldier in World War One. During World War Two, he would take uh, disabled soldiers into his home and care for them. He was mm. very generous, a really great guy. So I, I hope that comes across in the film. And now, folks, a couple quick messages from some of our show sponsors. Stay tuned. We'll be back with the rest of the interview after these quick messages. Listen to this cool episode ad-free. If you're a VIP member, you can become one on my website, www.jamierocks.us, www dot j-a-m-i-e-r-o-x-x dot u-s Metal Babe Mayhem is more than just an online store, it's a destination. MetalBabeMayhem.com carries over 150 rock and roll products, including clothing, jewelry, and accessories. Metal Babe Mayhem also offers shrine clothing and alchemy gothic jewelry. In addition, Metal Babe Mayhem founder Allison Metal Babe Cohen is a rock and roll journalist who supports local and national artists with rock and reviews, interviews, playlists, networking, and more. Metal Babe Mayhem is taking over the world one shirt at a time. My Love Shack Apothecary online shop has everything you need to build a special gift for yourself or someone who needs a little pampering. I hand make all of the products in small batches using only plant-based ingredients and therapeutic grade essential oils. Whether you choose one of my curated sets or want to build a custom gift set, My Love Shack Apothecary has everything you need to send a little sunshine to someone today. Please visit us online at www.loveshackapothecary.com. That's www.loveshackapothecary.com. As well as online on Instagram and Facebook. Links are in our website.
Support for this podcast comes from the University of Texas MD Anderson Cancer Center, ranked one of the top cancer centers in the nation for the last 27 years. The doctors at MD Anderson treat more rare cancers in a single day than many physicians see in a lifetime, and treatment plans are tailored to an individual patient's needs, allowing more comprehensive and thorough care. To become a patient, please visit makingcancerhistory.com. Aloha. If you have stress in your life or even anxiety and panic, I want to invite you to the Anxiety Coaches Podcast for a way out. The Anxiety Coaches Podcast is a relaxing and inspiring show, bringing you lifestyle changes to calm your nervous system and help you heal. Heal anxiety, panic, and PTSD for life. We bring you two episodes every week. There's no need to walk this path alone. Join us for a relaxing, informative, and inspiring time and start your journey out of anxiety panic. That's anxietycoachespodcast.com. Aloha. Rockscare, the online webshop of high-end luxury merchandise and products. All featuring original pop art paintings, from La Holla to Miami to London, www.merch.jamierocks.us. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. That, 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 there's, you know, in, another heartbreak. Again, I don't want to give too much weight. I, I want people to watch it. But the, the hospital yeah. scene with the nurse and the doctor, oh, my gosh. Uh, you yeah. know, tons of charts. You know, it, with Gary so Cantus, the doctor. Yeah, I didn't yeah. know. I didn't realize that. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah now Gary, I see it. No. I, had, I had to stick Gary in there. I had to do it. <laughs> That's good. Now he, if memory serves, he doesn't. He he doesn't live out in L.A. He's down with, with you, right down that neck of the woods. Yeah, yeah. He, he lives in Austin. Gary just turned That's eighty-nine, awesome. and he's doing great. Wow. Uh, That's amazing. I, I, Hope I can make it to that, you know. Oh, man. He's a tough guy. Yeah, it, that that was part of the message of my documentary about him is that he had done all these stunts, but real life is more challenging, and that was kind of the message. And he, he, he so made that comment. When we had him on. It, it was crazy, yeah. you know, where he's talking about the the Manson, the, you know, the car breaking. Oh down. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, and it was like, holy, I, you know. I, I paint a lot of killers and stuff like that. You know, I do a lot of neo-noir type stuff, you know, and that's uh, what yeah. people buy. And I, I'm either doing that or painting paintings of Marilyn Monroe and Madonna, you know, and, or people's dogs. And, uh, right. But I like doing those. And here I am. I, I was so excited because I'm like, man, I'm talking to somebody who talked to him. You know, oh, my gosh. <laughs> you know, it was right. crazy. He was so cool. He was just so. I think he realized I was a little starstruck from some of his stories, but uh, yeah. he was cool. He was very cool. Well, this is a, a fascinating film about just too fast the juxtaposition too um, of this. And you know, and you have a lot of people that are in the horror world in it. You have other filmmakers. You have, um, you know, that guy with the with. He was so proud. He's like, I got this on eBay. This 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 doll. This it wasn't a doll. A action figure, I guess is the term. Right. Um, yeah. Which the, the Rondo. I yeah. wanted it myself. I was watching that going. Where can, 
got to admit, looked on eBay, didn't see it. <laughs> I was ready to Oh, well, they're, they're out there, yeah. It'll cost you a few hundred bucks to get your Rondo action figure. Oh, uh, I think, the, I think I they're pretty I collectible. I could probably talk the wife into it if she, um, you know, now that she's watched the documentary, if she hadn't watched the documentary, I would say, I'm going to spend right. $2 on this. No, you're not. Yeah. No, you're not. Um, no, man, it was, it was, this was a fun, fun in, in just a roller coaster ride of emotion. I, I really, really enjoyed this. Um, Rondo and Bob's the name of it, folks. And it's out every, it's all over the place. Um, like I said, you can, you can watch this. And I want everybody to watch this. Um, just cool. Now, let me ask you this, Joe, because I have learned since doing the show that like movie time is a, a, a separate thing than the regular linear time you know before i started doing the podcast right. i would like most civilians i'd turn on the tv and watch a movie or something and go ah they painted or they did this uh, they painted they filmed this last month you know um and then i yeah. after the pod doing the podcast so much i have learned some of these take years <laughs> to make was this a long process from when you had the idea of, uh, and and things started bubbling was- on the stove yeah, we probably started, we, we, I think we started in 2017, and we're done right when COVID hit. And so mm. that kind of made, made release tough. We were in one film festival in 2020, and then last year we were all over the place. Uh, you know, we, we played in some of the really big horror, horror festivals like uh, Sitges in Spain, uh, mm. Cine Exp- Express in, Cine Excess in the U.K., uh, we're coming up on one. Uh, it's called uh, like Molin, M O M O L I N. But we're going back to Spain later this year because we're not released yet in Europe. Uh, I got so you. We still do film festivals there. We've been to Texas Frightmare in Dallas. We've you know we've uh, uh, what are it, horrible imaginings in Santa Ana, California. We've been to some good ones. We've been all oh. over the place. But that takes that's kind of its own that's our theatrical run and we had a, we actually had a uh, right before we came out we were booked for a week in Austin at the Galaxy Theater which was very cool uh, wow. and stressful trying to fill crowds uh, it wasn't a four walling yeah. we actually got paid you know we were booked and paid mm. the whole thing uh, so we it's been a, it, it's a long process but COVID really changed things. Uh, you know, slowed down our process, but uh, you know, we're hoping people will check it out now. Absolutely, absolutely. I remember my wife; she's really she has a uh, she has two businesses. She owns a crystal business where they sell you know crystals and sage and all that kind of stuff. She's into all that stuff, and she also yeah. has a business with her sister where they do cosplay costumes and go to all these conventions and stuff like that. And um, and she's really into it. And I remember right after that movie Free Guy came out, she got, you know, she gets passes. And when you're in that circle, you know, that kind of stuff happens. Yeah. And um, she went, it was the first time going to the movie theater since COVID, you know. And yeah. and she she was a nut about COVID. I know people are like, I thought you guys lived in Florida. We do. Um, not everybody in Florida is very laissez-faire about COVID. <laughs> My yeah. wife, especially. Believe me, no, me and the dogs got to smell Lysol quite a bit. 
you know, we'd go, I'd go for a walk with the dog. She'd come home. She's like, okay, stand out yeah. front. I mean, life throw you, life throw you down. Um, you know, she's that type of person, but she was, she was worried about going to the theater and, uh, and everything was fine. Thank God. And it was all great. Uh, but I know a lot of people, a lot of people, I think, you know, Oh, going into an environment, you know, with a bunch of other people, close quarters, um, you know, they got nervous about that. Let me ask yeah, you this. Now, here you've made this documentary and you've worked on it. I know it's work, man. I know it's work. Um, you know, 17 hour days and all this and that. And then COVID hits. Now, you know, producers and people that have invested, in, I'm, I'm sure the phone was ringing at old Joe's house, you know? Um, yeah. What are we going to do, you know? How stressful was that? Was, was, were you freaking out oh, a little it's, bit? It's, yeah, freaking out. But, you you know, you you just go do other stuff, too. You got you to gotta just, you know, right. we had to wait it out a, a good while. Uh, but by mid uh, mid last year, I, I felt like that the world was opening up more, and we were able to, uh, you know, we were able to start doing that film fest tour, going to places. Well, I'm telling you, uh, when COVID hit, at least here, personally, I wasn't that worried about the health stuff. I, I didn't think much about it. What I was worried, yeah. and probably because of Bob, I had watched The Hills Have Eyes too many times. I was worried about, you know, roving gangs of mutants coming to take my stuff. <laughs> right. and yeah, no, that's yeah. what I was concerned about. Uh, who saw yeah. UPS drop off those two cases of toilet paper? You know, I better hide yeah. that stuff. Uh, <laughs> so like, it reminds me when I was a kid living in Detroit, whenever you moved, you always put blankets over your TVs and stuff like that. So the neighbors yeah. didn't know you had stuff. Um, yeah, it was it was like that. But uh, what a what a great what a great documentary. And you know it's it's cool. Was everybody pretty cool when you like called them to interview them and stuff? They're like, oh yeah, Bob, crazy, loved them. Yeah, I we didn't remember. get yeah we didn't get everybody, but there were you know we got people like Stuart Gordon, the director of Reanimator, who's no longer with us now, uh, was such mm. a great guy. And a lot of it was that he just loved Bob Burns. Uh, Bob was known for being able to create uh, stuff from nothing. He could go in a thrift store and come out with something elaborate, you know, the pieces to create something elaborate. And uh, Sir Gordon talked about going to those thrift stores with Bob and what great fun it was. <laughs> it kind of fit into his vibe. Sir Gordon was a theater guy from Chicago uh, before he did mm. Reanimator and films like that. Uh, and so he kind of really appreciated it, and he liked Bob a whole lot. So, we, you know, we had to yeah, make our okay. trip to, to Los Angeles to do some of that, do some of those interviews. Let yeah. me ask you and this. Like, huh? Oh, go ahead. Finish your go thought. Ahead. Finish your thought. Oh, yeah. I was just going to say, we went, we went into uh, Dee Wallace's house. She was so kind to, <laughs> to let us come to her house and interview her in her backyard. Yeah. Cool. yeah. So very cool very nice person. That's awesome. That's awesome. A lot of the horror people in the horror movie business I have met, and it's only been a few, but the ones I have met, they remind me a little bit of my comedian friends. All of my comedian friends, everybody thinks are just, uh, you know, cracking jokes continuously and all that. And when they're not on, 
they really are odd. <laughs> you know, it's like totally different. Um, yeah. Like two different people. And the horror people are kind of like that too. It's like I, I have a good friend of mine, you know, and he's a he's a foodie, and man, he will talk your ear off. Uh, he's like my horror friends talking about horror, but with food, you know, all this fancy food that I can't pronounce. Um, yes. That you know, he, that's his thing. But you know, it's it's just very interesting how uh, how people. Well, I was going to ask you. Now, is is Bob? He's got to be kind of the the local. Still, to this day, I would imagine in Austin, like a local kind of celebrity almost, you know? Do well, people there's, still remember you know, him, or is he fading? He's, he's got quite a, a fan base of folks still around. Uh, and it was mm-hmm. so nice when we had the week of screenings in Austin because those people were showing up. Uh, nice. And it, that creative nice. community knew him very well. You know, uh, Bob was respected. He did more than... He did more than set decoration. He created elaborate costumes. He created uh, screen print uh, posters for Stevie Ray Vaughan's early band Blackbird that are super valuable mm. now. You know, they're worth thousands of dollars. We talked about some of the other weird stuff he did, like he made a novelty radio song, Colonel Sanders Thighs, uh, right. to the song <laughs> Betty Davis Eyes. Uh, our problem was fitting, you know, we had to cut away a lot of Bob's story because it just there's so much to it. He did so many right. different things. Uh, you yeah. know, like there's there's like one thing that we didn't put in, and, and it's like, well, we maybe we should have put that in. He created something that people believe is real, which is like a steam. I don't know how to say this uh, without being somewhat crude, but it's a steampunk punk dildo. Uh, electric thing. And he just made this thing up and it appeared in Playboy magazine way back when. And people believe it's real still. Uh, oh, that's funny. Yeah. And I talked to someone, one of his, I talked to one of Bob's friends the other day and said, Oh yeah, Bob tried to sell me that. He just wanted uh, like 30 bucks for it. He, he just wanted to sell it. And he didn't buy he it, it. You know, he should have bought it. He should have bought it. Yeah, no telling where it is now. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. That's it's funny. in somebody's somebody's house in the back room or something, you know, in their collecting room. Yeah, or whatever. Um, but that was Bob's sense of humor that he he probably loved the idea that he could create something that people would believe was real when it wasn't. You know, that's awesome. That's fantastic. That's that's the dream. I. Uh, you know, you had the one magician on there, and he was showing some of the props he had made for him and stuff, the Michael Jackson head and stuff. And, yeah, yeah. You know, it's hilarious. And you just knew that's the kind of guy he was. You know, that's. But you you touched on that that he lived life. He really did. Yeah, you know, he did what he, he wanted did, to yeah. do and, and to the fullest. And I don't think, at least, it came off in the documentary that there was a lot of you know working in an accounting firm, looking in a cubicle or something for years at a time, you know what I mean? Where you look back on, oh my gosh, why I could have been doing this. I could have been doing that. Yeah. Um, he wasn't that type of fella, you know, he just, just wasn't. Um, that last act yeah. in the thing, I, again, I don't want to give anything away, but it got me, man. It, the juxtaposition, how you did that between the two yeah. with the scene and everything. Brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah. 
Um, well, thank you. Very, very good. Yeah, great. And I will tell people this too. You got to watch even past the credits a little bit. There, it, it, it's almost like it's a Marvel film. There's a little, uh, you know, snippet past the credits that you don't turn it off when yeah. the credits start coming. It's all I'm saying. And, and during the during the credits, it's no big, uh, you know, giveaway. But there are real, real photos of, of May Hatton and Rondo Hatton. Um, mm-hmm. So you know. I thought that was cool. It's, it's weird when you do stuff. Uh, we were near the end of the process, and uh, I got an email from one of Mayhattan's relatives. And, mm. you know, we had an exchange, and she said, I've got some photos. You, you want them? Oh. And I said, yes. Yeah, that, and so it's stuff yeah. that's never been seen because Mayhattan is not, you know, not particularly famous, uh, just Toronto Hatton right. fans. And so we were able to, you know, show more of what she really looked like. As well as Bob Burns was a Rondo collector, and we had access to his collection, uh, right? You know, from his estate, which really helped a lot. The way yeah. you portrayed her in the documentary, I think, really, you know, she kind of her guard was up, you know, and, and I get it, I get it, you know, um, especially yeah. after that scene with the little girl. You, you could tell her guard was up with Bob and whatnot, and um, yeah. and just people in general. And you you understood why you know you understood it. Um, I thought that was really well done, really well done. Well, thanks. Yeah, but that was Bob's uh, holy grail that he got to, to meet Mrs. Hatton. You know, he tracked wow. her down and went to her house, and she you know, and she was a big game hunter. Uh, so the walls were covered <laughs> with trophies. You know. That was very disturbing because you you didn't expect that from her because up until that point you're like oh she's you know a forties fifties gal and uh, you yeah. know figured she'd be wearing white gloves not um, right. she probably did with an elephant gun <laughs> you know right with an elephant gun yeah <laughs> it was great it was great well very cool well let me ask you this Joe because you are very good at what you do very very good. Um, and I know we're, we're focused on Rondo and Bob right now, and, and we, I want everybody to watch this documentary, yeah. this, this film. It's very enjoyable. Um, you'll love it. Are the gears turning? And I know how you Hollywood types can be sometimes. <laughs> but until, you know, T's are crossed and I's dotted, uh, can you talk about the next project? Is there a next project? Because Well, the I next project, project is actually film-related, but it's a book. Uh, I'm, oh, okay. I'm talking. I'm talking to you from a hotel room in Denver, Colorado, uh, oh. because I'm I'm uh, part of a program called the Lighthouse Writers Workshops Book Project, and uh, that that was my COVID deal is that I that I worked on this book, and it's about the Ross sisters, uh, who were contortionists in the 1930s and 40s. Uh, and and it, they kind of went viral a few years ago on, on YouTube doing their act. Uh, most likely you've seen it. Uh, people, okay. people have seen it. It was you know, seen by millions uh, on YouTube. It's the Ross sisters, R-O-S-S. If people will look up that on Google and watch the video and, and stick with the video because it gets more bizarre. Uh, and I wanted to find out what happened to them. They were they were from West Texas. They were young girls from West Texas, and they saved their family from poverty uh, during the, the Dust Bowl days, the Great Depression. Oh wow! 
that basically they they happened their family happened to meet uh, another family that was traveling contortionists, and they taught them how to do it. And the Ross sisters are probably the most famous contortionists to come out of the United States. Uh, wow! So, so you yeah, so you're done so with I've the spent book? a lot of time telling it, their story. Yeah, is it would make a great movie, but I that I didn't I don't, didn't feel like I had the money to make a movie about them. Um, I gotcha. I gotcha. I, I get it. I get yeah. It. Can people get the book now? Uh, the the I am I finished my first draft and I'm working on revisions right now. So okay. it'll be a okay. little while yet. Yeah. Well, Joe, we're uh, going to stay right in touch because I want to have you back on for that when that drops. Oh, cool. You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Sounds that, that sounds fascinating. And I, I want to read it. <laughs> I I love this kind of stuff, you know? It's it's, it's very, very cool. I, um, like I said, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of the Rondo and Bob film. This is something I will watch a few times, you know, just because there's so much information in it. And um, it's just so well done. I uh, I really enjoyed this. I want everybody to see it. Um, it it's, it's very cool. Like I said, we have links up uh, to www.rondoandbob, uh, all spelled out, uh, one word, .com, and also uh, Rondo and Bob on Facebook and Rondo and Bob on Twitter. So like and share, folks. Like and share. And when you watch the film, I know I say this all the time when I have film people on, especially independent film. All these streaming sites that you watch it on, if you watch it streaming, all have a place to leave a comment. You don't have to write a doctoral thesis, just a couple sentences, man. Just take yeah. take a couple minutes and, and put down your thoughts, you know, um, some feedback and stuff. It's great. Uh, and it helps yeah. the algorithm. Yeah, very, it's great. Very, very cool. Yeah. Well, and people Joe, can also go is, to uh, – People can also go to JoeOConnell.com uh, and see about oh, okay. the other projects that we okay. talked about. Well, well, we'll add that link up as soon as the show's over here. That's going on everything. And <laughs> you'll be able to go there, too, ladies and gentlemen. And definitely, right, I, cool. I will be going. Very cool, Joe. Well, amazing. Well, enjoy Denver. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's a crazy time. I lived there for a couple of years. Uh, for a year. I, I went for a weekend and stayed a year. Denver can be oh, that kind of town. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I lived there before the big, you know, uh, weed revolution. And uh, so, yeah, it was, I, I got a great big apartment downtown for like 400 bucks a month. It was great. Friends wow. that still yeah. live there tell me that place sold, you know, for millions of dollars now. Um, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I was there before all that. <laughs> it was a fun year. Fun year. I, you know, it's funny because I paint probably on average 250, maybe 300 paintings a year. And um, people are like, well, what did you think of Denver when you stayed there? And I said, I painted seven paintings that year. <laughs> I was busy uh, doing other stuff. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, read, read into that what you will, ladies and gentlemen. Anywho. Right. Anywho. Uh, well, fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, Joe, this is a. Uh, very, very good. And, you know, somewhere, I think, both Rondo and Bob looked down and watched this film, and, and both were smiling, you know? I hope so. It didn't take yeah. any shots. Okay, right. I, 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 I would bet I am. I would bet I am. Very, very cool. Well, I can't wait to read the uh, the book about the Ross sisters, and I will be putting that link up as well. 
Thank you. Thank you, Joe, for taking time to, to be on the show and sitting down and whatnot um, in your busy schedule. I know you're a busy guy. Uh, really appreciate it. And next time you see Gary, hey, say, remember that crazy guy in Florida? He says hi. <laughs> he won't remember. He won't remember at all. But, you know. Oh, he might. Yeah. You might. You might. You never know. Anywho. Well, folks, that's going to wrap it up for us today. It's uh, It's been a lot of fun. I uh, really enjoyed myself. This, of course, will be converted to a podcast. We're going to push it out on all the social media platforms and on all podcasting platforms. We're on, like, close to 600 of them. I know. It's crazy. I didn't know there were that many podcasting platforms. There are. We're on them all. We're on the big ones, too. Uh, you know, Apple Podcasts and Spotify, all that kind of stuff. So uh, be sure to check that out. Also, if you go to my website, jamierock.us, or actually, uh, it's easier if you go to it's direct, if you go to poprocksradio.com, it gets you to the radio page, uh, the podcast page on the website. You can see uh, who's coming up in, uh, you know, the following week and whatnot on the show. And you can also see, uh, you know, which country is in the lead for the most listens to the podcast. U.S., of course, is usually the one. But uh, Switzerland has entered the fray. So, um, you know, if you're Swiss and you want to move up, get all your friends and neighbors to listen to the show, and we appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, no. There you go. You have, you have amazing bragging rights. What, what, what can I tell you? Very, very cool. And also, I have a post-it here I'm supposed to mention. Um, if you want to listen to all, of our podca- all the podcasts we do, ad and commercial free, you can on my Patreon. Details are on my website. There you go. All tiers. That's one of the perks of that, if that's what you want to do. Cool, cool, cool. Um, otherwise, support and check out our uh, <laughs> our uh, advertisers. They appreciate it, and, uh, you know, they don't call me and yell at me, so I appreciate it as well. Very, very cool. Okay, that's going to wrap it up for us. We will see you next time, ladies and gentlemen. Check out joeoconnell.com. We're going to add that right now. Thanks, Joe. Thank you. Appreciate it. Absolutely. This has been Pop Art Painter Jamie Rocks' Pop Rocks Radio Talk Show. It has been executive produced by Jamie Rocks, recorded at his studio in Deerfield Beach in South Florida. All rights reserved by Pop Rocks Limited for broadcast on Blog Talk Radio. Tana Oli, Pop Rocks Radio. Estás escuchando Jamie Rocks de Pop Rocks Radio. Manténganse al tanto. Hey, det här är Hicks från Sverige och ni lyssnar till Pop Rocks Radio med Jamie Rocks. Blog Talk Radio.